0: Good morning. Welcome to Recovery Central. I have here Mike from Better Happy this week. Welcome, Mike. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm slightly down on numbers here. I asked my imaginary friend, but unfortunately, we've fallen out, which is very, very problematic. This and almost painful, because my imaginary friend used to co-sign my bullshit, of course. Um, what, I, what I didn't realise was that actually, said imaginary friend wasn't just cosigning my bullshit. He was actually taking me hostage which is the reason I was making all these mad and bad decisions. I think of the day when he left, and he stood at that door, well, not a real door, obviously, it was one of those doors that you do in improv where you just pretend it's a door and a handle and you open it, and and he looked at me and just said, you've changed. And I suppose afterwards it was, yeah, great, actually, I have. And this is why I don't need you anymore, because I don't need to listen to my own advice all the time. (laughs) Which brings me to the fact that in coming in as another provider to work with people in changes, yeah. you're perhaps giving them an angle that they've probably tried to provide themselves in, in previous incarnations.
1: Yeah, I so. Uh, I, mean,
0: I certainly had thoughts of, as soon as I come out of treatment, I'm going to go swimming every day. Yeah, Or I'm going to get some resistance bands, or whatever. And it, it tends to be quite subjective yeah. and directionless. Yeah. And I suppose you must see that
1: well, yeah, definitely. I've had the pleasure of working with alongside changes for coming up to a year now. So um, a lot of that work's been in grace. Uh, so the eight week yeah. stage two, obviously throughout that time, I've seen a lot of different people from ages, shapes, sizes, walks of life. And um, yeah, the, that, this is quite a common thing. Obviously people are starting to make the changes that they want to make. Starting to focus on the goals that they want to achieve as opposed to being stuck in addiction. And, yeah, quite a lot of extreme behaviour can come out of that. We can go from being stuck or entrenched in addiction to starting to start to fix, starting to get on the mend, and then we go, yes, I want to excel at this, I want to train five times a day, yeah. I want to eat the most perfect diet that yeah. they could ever be. So, it's yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I've seen quite a lot of, the world of extremes in the, in the mindset when you're, when you're going through this process.
0: One of the things we normally include in the programme, of course, is a, is a letter, which, uh, OK, they're fictional, but they are displaying the states of mind that people tend to be in just before they go into the treatment process. Mm. Dear Jim, Jack and Jess, It took us a long time to put pen to paper on this, because of all the arguments. Until we both realised why we were arguing and why something had to give, we were never going to seek any help anyway. But now enough is enough. Our son is 38 and has recently moved back in with us. He's lost a good job at the bank, where he's worked for nearly 20 years. He then told us he'd lost his house, has credit card bills he cannot pay, and has nothing left. We knew he needed to go to rehab, and he appeared to agree, so we paid for him to go for four weeks into a clinic. He came back out, and it wasn't long again before he was drinking in secret. We know what he does. Going out during the day, claiming to be going to the gym or to the cinema, and sneaking back bottles which he then drinks and hides behind the bookcase. If we challenge him on this, he can become overly defensive, aggressive or crumble into self-pity, bemoaning the fact that his job was taken from him unfairly, that Tricia, his soon-to-be ex-wife, was the one having the affair first, not him, and that she just took the kids away so she could paint a nasty enough picture of him to ensure she got full custody. He says he drinks to forget. That everything has gone against him and that his boss has rung every local branch at every bank to tell them not to employ him. Whether this is true or not, our domestic situation has become unbearable. He treats our home like a hotel. He never contributes anything, financially or otherwise. We don't mind if he can't pay for things, although he always seems to find money for vodka. But he never even lifts a finger to do the washing up. He expects us to clean, wash and keep house around him. Surely this is all the wrong way up. We're now both approaching retirement and are unable to cope with a middle-aged teenager in the house. we found ourselves arguing a lot since Kevin came home, and we didn't really argue before. We don't know what to do, so he just won't listen. Please advise. Middle-aged teenager. Well, it sounds like a teenager, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. Well... This is just showing how that irresponsible and selfish behaviour can impact on the home. Mm -hmm. Well, it's one thing when you're in your pyjamas, you haven't washed for three weeks in a flat on your own, neck in white cider at 7 o'clock in the morning. But when you're living with your family and you're expecting them to just mop up after you, and, and it doesn't matter whether the sob story is true or not. No. No, it may well be true that he lost his job unfairly. However, what matters is his reaction to that. I think it's not about the whether it's true or not. It's about the way he's responding because him wrecking his parents' house or impacting so negatively upon their lives is not going to get him his job back.
2: No, he's obviously in denial himself, isn't it? At the end of the day, being at his parents' house, they can see exactly what's going on, um, and maybe that's.
0: Yeah. well this is what happens when you put a raging alcoholic in a, in a house with two normal people yeah they can but see
2: straight away. they can see exactly the, the faults the alcoholic can't see you know to him the world's treating me bad but they can see the bigger picture they can see the picture with, through a pair of clear lenses and not through a, a bottle of vodka we're arguing yeah
0: and we're arguing with each other and it's yeah. taken us so long to realize what about
2: yeah to shame
0: that. He's turned up like this wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. And really just because he's drinking and being the way he is, they're suddenly arguing in a way
2: that they never have. Yeah, um, he's destroyed his own life. He's now destroying his family life. And life.
0: sadly the paying for him to go to a clinic is is not the solution often.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Often it's the, it's the what we think is a solution or what someone tells us might be a solution and if the person doesn't care and doesn't want to, yeah. then it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. And yes, it's it's dealing with the teenager, but I suppose the question for them is how long does this go on?
2: Well, you can't just throw him into a rehab. Got, he needs got
0: educating.
2: Well, wow. you know the education should come from the rehab itself, but you know if it's just flung in there for. And
0: well, either either he's going to have to go and do that, or he's going to have to go and find somewhere to live himself. Yeah. Because he can't carry on like this. No. It's not for them. And no. I suppose they they may have to make a decision
2: on that. Yeah, I mean, who, who are we looking after here? Who do we look after? You know, the, it's not fair on them. And and yes,
0: yeah, so I, I agree. It's, it's about helping them as well as helping him. Because mm. this is the family disease in action, isn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's had a, a good job in the bank. he can lead a normal life without the drink. I think the parents need to be made more aware of what happens when you're in the grips of alcohol. Why? He's behaving like he's behaving. The fact that it's not going to change unless he seeks help.
0: They need to have an open conversation with him, really, don't yeah. they? Yeah. The mindset that that people tend to be in when they arrive in rehab is certainly that there's not any balance and there's very little perspective. Hmm. So they go from this total chaos of just sitting in a room in their pajamas. And every day is endless, and then they go into treatment context, and suddenly there's all these things they're going to do. Yeah. And I think it's quite important to have organisations like yours coming in and rounding that perspective for people.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're saying that, Richard, I'm thinking outside of changes and the service that we provide. You know, it's just as we're helping with the same problem in wider community and businesses and such. It's the same problem, thats that is that. To be healthy and happy and to enjoy a a good life we need to have a level of balance across certain components and through most of human history that's not been something that we've had to consciously create yes Uh, it's been provided by the nature of our lifestyles and this is a you know this is something that's really important to understand and that we the message that we always relate to guys and girls going through 217 and to businesses as well whether that's CEOs and executives or people that are going Mm. through the recovery process the the message is the same that is that there's a certain balance we need to be healthy which leads to a level of happiness and life doesn't really provide that naturally anymore in fact it's quite the opposite especially in a capitalist society such as the uk yeah uh, so it's quite the opposite we're actually actively encouraged to live our lives in a way that's not particularly balanced and not particularly healthy so yeah it's really important to get this balance but it's not easy and the reason that i think a lot of people struggle is because lifestyles have changed so much that that's, yeah. that's not provided to us naturally yeah. you go back only 60 100 years and actually we're pretty active without thinking about it we were eating whole foods because that's all that was available really um we were socially interacting we were in jobs that are suited to our strengths a lot of the time you know get lost in industrial revolution but even even the industrial age was quite active work oh yeah maybe not the best but (laughs) i see what you mean It's, it's that the actual sense of having a daily
0: routine is something that particularly in a gig economy yeah. and in in 24-hour cities, as yeah. it were, yeah. it's very easy to just fall out of that completely. And if yeah. you're on shift work, you've got to find your own routine that works around every shift, really. Yeah. And whatever you are involved in or not in your life, uh, particularly with sometimes people living hand-to-mouth, mm-hmm. the focus is all on have I got any work today? Yeah. Have I got any work next week? Yeah. I do think one of the great Benefits of of having what you do come in at the stage that it does is that perhaps it helps these things to be ingrained, yeah, so that they become something that we do anyway, yeah. Like for me, there's the I get my bag ready the night before for what I'm doing the next day, yeah. There's certain things I do that are just instinct and routine, yeah. And of course, you have to be trained in that, don't you?
1: Yeah, of course, you do, and that's. You know, you, you making your bag ready the night before. Uh, has many positive benefits. It makes your morning routine nicer. It means that you go to bed feeling a little bit more calm because you know that you're prepared for the day tomorrow. That's a habit that you've built over time. And yeah. If you didn't have, you've probably picked that up from somebody else at some point in your life or, you, you know, so that's something that you've kind of learned and developed and, and consciously built into your life. But yeah, like you said, without that, without those habits, without those routines, without that kind of structure, life can be very frantic and not very healthy and lead yeah. to a lot of stress and unhealth, bad health and unhappiness.
0: I started writing some dialogues on, on how and an alcoholics think and talk when they've just had the substances taken away,
1: yep.
0: which is kind of saying, yeah, this is why they appear to be mad because this is the logic that's going on. Yep. I don't know what to do.
3: That makes two
0: of us it doesn't make sense no i don't understand
3: maybe you're thinking too much about what i don't know it's just okay what is it
0: i don't think i'm doing anything wrong
3: ah you mean the funeral
0: and i've been told i can't go unless i have someone with me
3: i'm sure they're trying to protect you from
0: what my own family
3: i need protecting from mine yeah you did so maybe but
0: your family's different
3: yes but it was
0: obvious you needed to be away from them
3: doesn't mean I like it though. No. What exactly did they say then? Who? Stuart, Kevin, whoever it was.
0: Kevin. I don't really talk to the others.
3: So you trust him then?
0: In as much as I can, yeah.
3: In as much as you can?
0: I'm not going to tell him everything, am I? Why not? Do you tell Claire everything? Not yet, no. Not yet?
3: There are things that I'm going to talk about right now, that's all.
0: I know that feeling. Yes? I just get the sense that if I tell him everything, they'll use it to control me.
3: Control you? Yeah. Why?
0: I haven't told Kevin the whole story about Max yet. No. It would mean I wouldn't see them, wouldn't it?
3: Well, a brother who's still stuck in addiction would be a major reason for staying away, wouldn't it?
0: He's not like me, though. No. He's harmless. Really? He's not like your sister, either.
3: My sister is a dangerous manipulator. If I told Claire half the stuff that's gone on between me and her, then I'd be getting completely cut off.
0: I thought you were.
3: No, I can see, her
0: So you've not told Claire?
3: I've told you more than I've told her.
0: I've done the same.
3: So? What? What are you going to do? about what the funeral
0: well I'm gonna go obviously but I mean. obviously are you sure Kevin might be right though maybe I shouldn't go on my own
3: probably not no and there is a the risk for alcohol being all around oh I can handle that are you sure it's only been what three months
0: yes long enough
3: what about an exit strategy
0: exit strategy
3: you'll need a plan for making a quick getaway if you need to won't you
0: I suppose though. there's no
3: suppose about it Dan no you need to be sure of every step
0: depends on who I bring with me doesn't it oh I need to feel safe.
3: Did Kevin... You offered
0: to come, but I'm not sure. Why not? If I'm honest, I trust you more than I trust any of the staff.
3: Yes, but... And it
0: would look more normal if you came. Would it? Easier. Really? If we pretended to be a couple, it explains why I'm not on my own. We'd
3: have to lie, though. What do you mean? The staff aren't going to let us do that, are they?
0: If they don't, we could always go anyway.
3: where would we go afterwards?
0: They might not kick us out.
3: I doubt that. No? They would.
0: We'll find a way. Is
3: this what you want? Yeah. you sure? Yeah. I'll think about it.
0: With, with regard to in, ingraining it in people so they don't necessarily think about it, would that be something that you consciously do with them in, in the stage 2 context? Like I noticed in the house that you've put a menu on the wall.
1: Yeah, so everything is habits, isn't it, really, when it comes yeah. to our behaviours. So we can have, you know, if it was just a case of to improve the quality of our lives, we just need to learn something, then, well, everyone would be... The healthiest, happiest, most yes. successful people in the world because we've got access to the internet and yeah. all our problems would be solved like that. So there's there's a few things that really do um, contribute to making these things stick, so they become a benefit to you. And, and the, the one is habits, yeah, you're making them a habit something that you're doing. The two is the environment, so the environment yeah. that you're in, supporting that. Yes. If we are in an environment where everybody smokes and drinks and parties and does drugs, then yeah. there's a very highly High percentage chance that that's the behavior that we're going to fall into, yeah. even if we're not an addict. You know, it's going to be it's, it's around oh, yeah. it's the environment that we're in. If we're in an environment where people don't watch TV and like to read books and relax, we'll probably find that we have more of an interest in reading and we become more relaxed. And if we're in an environment where we talk about food and there's little things on the wall that just mention them, and there's posters on the wall that are mentioning health, and we're seeing that every day and we're exposed mm-hmm. to it. It goes into the subconscious. Yes. If we're also making it a routine, putting some routines in that make this a habit, then when we come out, it's much easier for us to maintain that behaviour. Because if it's not a habit, it's an effort. And if it's an effort, you're not going to do it long term. Which is why it's so important to, to you know make this a habit. And I think 217 mm-hmm. perfect time to, to, to ingrain some of these habits where possible.
0: I use lockdown to affect a habit change. Yeah. Because I cut out meat. There you go. Yeah, I've been saying it for a while, and two days before lockdown was announced, and that was my last bacon sandwich. There you go. Because I had partly in my head, you know, it's going to be much more complicated cooking vegetarian.
1: Yeah.
0: But actually, it isn't, and it wasn't. Right. And in many ways, it's actually easier. Yeah. Thank God for woks. But just <laughs> throw it in the wok. Yeah. But I needed that three month period. To make myself believe that I could just instinctively do this every day.
1: Exactly. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of negatives come out of lockdown, but I think there's a hell of a lot of positives as well, which people don't really talk about. And, um, you know, if you think about Christmas, what happens after Christmas is everybody goes and joins the gym. Yeah. Everybody. And goes, goes for a week. Cr- yeah, yeah. Go, goes for a week or two. Now, there's a reason for that. If we think about it, why does that happen? And it's because, this is my theory anyway, it's because we. Uh, make life very full on in the Western yeah. world it, in, in which it is that we live, which causes a lot of problems and which means we, we essentially go from mid January to December, overwhelmed and stressed. And that's yeah. people that are in addiction. That's people that are in not in addiction. You know, yeah. that's it, most of society go through, go through to, too busy to, to what, for what's healthy yeah. really. Something that, that I wasn't really, didn't really understand until I went and lived in Nepal and Thailand um, and saw life different. So, but what happens is it gets Christmas. And it's the only time, really, the only genuine time, Christmas, where it's almost like society says it's okay to switch off for four weeks and go and spend time with your family and do the things that we should be doing all the time around, really. And I think in that time of where the stresses of life are removed quite significantly, and we yeah. and we get we get time to reflect internally and think about our lives and what's important to us. But if you give people enough time to reflect and think, um, nine times out of ten, they're going to come to their health and their happiness and what they're going to do for it. So you come out of that four-week period, the gyms are ready with the memberships because they yeah. know that most people are unhealthy and, they, and and they thought about that. And they genuinely, we've all been there, genuinely, if you ask somebody when they go and sign up for that gym membership, they would bet their house they're going to stick it out. They would be completely confident that that's it. It's the, they're doing it this year. They're going to look after themselves. Their health's more important than everything else. And it's The obvious stuff that a counsellor or a yeah. psychologist would tell us, yeah. we come to those conclusions ourselves. And then a month later the stresses of life have jumped back on again. They've been absolutely piled on and that person just can't maintain that anymore because we're taught to prioritise work and money over everything else. And they, and they're, they're like a different person to they were a month ago and they dropped the gym membership and they're ashamed and they're embarrassed yeah. and it comes back around and it's a, it's a vicious cycle, which is why I think lockdowns potentially had a good, good impact on a lot of people. I know it's had lots of negatives, but um, the amount of people I've seen that have been posting and talking about and, uh, their health and their habits and focusing on habits improving i think that's a really good thing because it's giving people time to yeah i mean no, I've,
0: I've seen that because it, it was i've seen it with other people as well and it's this having that time for reflection that you wouldn't normally have mm. and for me it was a question of looking at my actual habits mm. and what i would actually do during the day so i started playing the piano again regularly yeah as opposed to just playing it when i needed to yeah and now, no, I don't play every day, but when I've got a spare half hour, I do. For me, it became about those habits that are ingrained in the home.
1: We don't teach people in the UK to look after themselves, is, is the honest truth. Mm. it starts at school, we talk about achievement, you know, we talk about work hard, achieve, then you'll, then you'll be happy, yeah. as opposed to look after yourself. Be as happy as you can and healthy as you can, which means you'll find it easier to work, which means you'll achieve more. Then that's that's the biggest problem in the UK. So part one is yeah, make sure that you're sensory selfish and prioritise yourself. You know, you've got to like reframe your thinking and put you at the top of the priority list, which people think well that's a bit selfish, but it's it's Mm -hmm. essential really. If you're not looking after yourself, you can't be the best person that you're meant to be. You can't help others. With recovery, if you're not looking after yourself, it's difficult to recover, you know. And
0: and recovery does begin at home. If I'm not of sober mind when I leave the house in the morning, mm. then I will get a bit chaotic.
1: And I think that's where, I think this getting a bit more deep, deep and philosophical here, but I think that's where the pro- all problems in society come from, in or well, most problems in society come from, is the fact that we don't know, this is addicts and non-addicts, mm. we don't know and are not taught how to be happy and peaceful on our own, quietly in our own space. But I, used to, I used to abuse alcohol, I abused alcohol, I got myself in a lot of trouble, I spent a lot of money, um, I got in a lot of fights, I have spent nights in the cells, it's had impact on my career when I was in the military, you know, I've done a lot of damage to myself through mm-hmm. alcohol, but the reason behind that, the reason for my alcohol abuse was because I didn't know how to be peaceful on my own and in my own time, so I get to a Friday in the army, you know, we get early cut off on a Friday and i would be like, I don't want to sit on my own and just be alone with my own. Thoughts and I don't know how to relax on my own, so I'm, I'm gonna go out and drink, because mm. that's how I know to switch off. I forget who the quote
0: came from. People asked me whether I had enough money, people asked me whether I was successful. No one ever asked me if I was happy.
1: Yeah, biggest problem in our side.
0: And I think in that directionlessness that we end up in, we forget what being happy means, and therefore well, we, in the first place, yeah, and we're not emotionally well. Something else I saw was the, this thing about Finland, mm. Where they have this kind of happiness quotient idea in schools, yeah. and they have this work life balance that is societally expected, yep. whereas in this country, and like the States, actually, we don't seem to have one.
1: No. We are very driven. The UK, you know, Scandinavian, the Scandinavian countries are in stark contrast to us. Oh, very to, much to so. Us, they're very focused, much, you know, they're not perfect, but they're much more focused on happiness and, and living a good life. And actually there's some of the things they've got, like the schooling system, they focus on kids' strengths and motivators yeah. and develop them around that instead of the UK where we have one standard. And if you meet that, you're good. If you don't meet that, you're, you're not good. They work significantly less, but have higher GDP. Yeah, than, which is
0: well, it tells your story really, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you think it's really important to make things that are not necessarily seen as obviously recovery, 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 part of that overall story? So when when people come come into a treatment context mm. and they're getting this recovery, 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 recovery. Yeah. It, it strikes me that having something that, that isn't just about physical fitness, what you do at all, mm. that's something that doesn't actually have a recovery stamp on it. No. But I think it's probably quite important for that to be part of the journey. I
1: think in the UK, we've got a mindset of addressing sickness and illness as opposed to promoting health and happiness. I think it's a, bit, a big part of that problem. Mm. You're not happy because you're not... In addiction, that doesn't mean you're living a good life because you're not in addiction. It means you're living a better life than you were. But it's like me saying, you know, you'll be happy if you're no longer overweight. Okay, if you remove, if you somebody's overweight and then you go right, okay, I'm going to help you become non-obese. That person won't then be okay. My yeah. obesity's gone. I'm happy now. That's just they've got rid of sickness. They've got rid of a negative. But yeah. what we haven't done is made sure that the positives there. It's a similar analogy to what you just said about you know people asking me if I'm happy. So yeah, I, I completely agree. I think. It's really fresh and relevant for the for the people going through two one seven to be having this heavy focus on recovery because that's the most important thing that needs yeah. to happen and that's why they're there. But it's also quite fr- refreshing to have a little bit of a focus on well, I'm going to also promote my health and promote my happiness. It's going to support recovery massively, but it's not recovery. So yeah. they're not just getting rid of something bad, they're also promoting something good. It's part of what in the, the AA book calls the bridge to normal living, in that I
0: don't go from my bubble of bullshit in my alcoholism to another bubble of bullshit where I'm handling my own recovery and it's all I'm doing. Yeah. Because my foundations will be a bit shaky if I don't try and access the world. Yeah. I have to learn how to access the world without alcohol. Because one of the other sections we, we do in this, I think this probably is relevant to what you do, mm-hmm. We do a thing called uh, My Week in Recovery. This is all the stuff that I can do because I'm not wasting my time at the bottom of a bottle. It actually means that I'm doing something around, in inverted commas, normality.
3: Yeah.
0: Whether it's some, I've found a new hobby or whether I'm going back to something that I used to do yeah. or whether it's just a different way of engaging with people. Mm. Because I don't think I'm going to become a complete person Living in recovery, if all I do is live in recovery.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can agree more. I think there's also something that really like struck a chord with me when I, you know, I came out of the military at 25, and I, I was very unhappy in the military, uh, and I was drinking, I was wasting my money, you know, as a result of being unhappy, and my way of coping. And then um, I realised when I came out of the military at the age of 25 that. Uh, I didn't really know what to do, like how to be, I didn't know how to structure my life to be happy and to be a, yeah. good, a good citizen. Um, so I, I, I very cliched, stuck on a backpack and went to, on a one-way ticket to Thailand and didn't come back for three years. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and um, when I was out there, you know, life was great. I was, I was no longer owned by the military. That made me feel really good. I uh, felt very free. I, I got a job. I lived in a knot. I moved to Australia. I had a lovely sunny city to live in Australia. And I thought, I've really got everything I could ever want. And I was walking to work one day, I was working on a rooftop bar, getting paid, all right, but my life was as stress-free as it could possibly be. And I remember walking to work thinking to myself, I've got everything I could ever want and I don't feel satisfied. (laughs) And I remember feeling like quite, you know, in in, in an internal kind of conflict about that. I was like, you've literally got everything you have ever said you wanted. You've got money in the bank, you've got uh, the sun out, you've got no stresses, no commitments, you've got you know, you, you work in a bar, there's women around, there's all the luxuries of life that you could ever want, but you don't feel satisfied. Yeah, it was a really, that was a bit of a life turning point for me because at, well, at that moment I was walking past the bookshop and I saw the Dalai Lama's face, who I didn't really know who he was at the time, mm-hmm. and he had a book called The Art of Happiness. And I was like, well, that seems pretty, pretty um, pertinent to how I'm feeling. So I read the book and learned a lot about Buddhism and different things. And one thing in Buddhism that, that really resonated with me and has helped me a lot is something called The Middle Way. The Middle Way is you know Buddhists talk about mindfulness so meditation sitting in mindfulness okay being in the present moment but the buddha says and rightly says he's more of a philosopher than a, a religious leader yeah. or, personally but he said okay but if i just sit in meditation and be in the present moment and forget all of my worries in the world what's going to happen well you know my life's not going to be very good really <laughs> if, I'm, if i'm honest but then if i spend all my time thinking about my life and trying to Stop every problem before it arises and dress and stuff. Well, then my life's not going to be very good either. So he's like, you know, there's a there's a place in the middle. I'm visualizing the middle way now. So when we're in addiction, it's probably I'm useless. I'm a waste of space. Mm-hmm. I'm doing nothing. You know, so there's no ambition. It's I'm yeah. just going to use. I want to hide away from the world, and you like you said endless days of of use of using. And then you start to recover and you jump from that that end of the scale up to the other end of the scale, yes. which is I've got clarity. I'm going to get into the best shape I've ever been in my life. Yeah. I'm going to eat only the best food. I'm gonna start these businesses. So we go from you know low levels of ambition and self-belief to ridiculously high. And the problem is that they're, they're both equally as bad, really. Oh yeah, they are. Find somebody yeah. that sets those goals, like you said, and you'll find that actually in a few weeks they're gonna be burnt out, fed up. Oh, setting up the
0: relapse, really.
1: Whereas actually in the middle of that, it's probably things like, I'm gonna go and take my kids out for dinner. Because, yeah. because, because I can do that, because I've got this time to yeah, so not now I can, I'm not yeah. trying to take over the world. Yeah. I might go for a walk because mm. I've got the time to do that, which is something I didn't do before. I might go and talk to my friends. I might write a business plan and do that stuff, but it doesn't have to be extremes. And it's something to be very conscious of, that, I think. And i burnt out through um, being overambitious as well. I've, I've literally had, had a business that I ran for four years and made me miserable in the end. Yeah. And I had to close it down because um, I went from that to that. So The middle way is my response to that. Quite, mm. quite a long way. Or, well, it did make around, sense to me.
0: Um, next section, of course, is our is cat. And as you don't know what this is, more <laughs> Alcoholics, addicts, cats. You see, alcoholics and addicts have cats and other domestic pets. Mm-hmm. And what would they say if they could talk about us? <laughs> this week, I think something's afoot. Someone's missing. So let's see.
2: Hello? Hello? Rich? You there? Oh, Tom. Yes. I, um. It's my name. Yeah? Reg?
0: Yeah, that's my name.
2: I know. Well, um. Not like you, Reg. What? This. This what? Oh. Uh, yeah? You seem a movie. What? Lost for Words? Yeah. Well, that's a turn off for the books. I suppose it is. What's wrong?
0: You mean you didn't hear?
2: Didn't hear what? You don't know? I'm lost here, Reg. I... Where have you been? Well, it's not as if I keep a dive with my movie. That's not what I meant, Tom. No.
0: Have you been at home all week?
2: Mostly, yeah. Mark's got some crazy money-making scheme on the ground. And
0: you were consulted on it? Well, not
2: exactly. No. No? It was more window dressing. I see. Anyway, it takes a lot to rock
0: your confidence. Less than you might think. What's happened? I'm still amazed you don't know already.
2: I don't, no. Lula! No, please don't tell oh, me. No, no. So, she's not... No, she's not dead, I don't but... I understand. What? You've told me she's not dead. And? I'm not dead, and neither are you. That's true, yeah. And that's not a disaster. No. So? Lula is not dead. No.
0: However, the serene Mrs. J has popped her clogs, alright? Oh. Yes, most disturbing. Well, I don't see. Sometimes, Tom, I think you pretend to be a bit slow on the uptake. No. Unless I'm being too eclectic. I'm trying to understand. Yeah. So, what's
2: happened?
0: At the weekend, it was Mrs. J's birthday. She had lots of family around, and Lula and her foster siblings all stayed in. Mock, sport, solidarity, all of that. But Mrs J's eldest son turned up unexpectedly and started making noises.
2: What sort of noises? It's always
0: been difficult, according to Lula. Apparently, he's been trying to trick Mrs J into thinking she's gone senile for years.
2: That's not very nice. So there's the understatement.
0: I've seen him once getting out of his fancy motor, looking down his bloody nose all the way along the street. Got some posh job in the city he has. Rich money will buy him anything. But well,
2: what's in it for him?
0: This is the interesting part. Call it the Lula, turns out Mrs Jane inherited a fortune in property from her late estranged husband. Once he heard she was sober, he left the houses to her to do her good works, as he put it. Turns out she's been letting those houses out for people what have just left, left rehab. And her son? Bastard wants to get his hands on her property, turf out all the tenants and start his own private empire.
2: How could a son do that to his mother? Well, I couldn't.
0: Well, if I knew who my mother was.
2: Me neither. Well, not if I knew. But family ties a much bigger deal with humans, aren't they? True. For better or for worse.
0: Yeah, and in this case, it's definitely for worse.
2: So, what happened?
0: All the family was there. All the cats, the dogs, the chickens, and even the iguana. Iguana? Yes, Ivan. Very stoical sort, he is. What, sits in a barrel? Not quite. He prefers the doorstep. The doorstep? Could be a bit difficult. I can imagine. Lock in the door.
2: Can't he use the cat
0: flap? Well, he could, but he prefers to climb back over the wall in his own time. I see. And was he
2: there when the sun came? Oh, yeah. He bit him.
0: Beat him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a lot for Ivan to get angry, you know. So the son Lionel Leonard, whatever his bloody name is, comes in a bit annoyed at being bitten. Then he starts again with trying to make Mrs J think she's forgotten things. That's like him. Absolutely, yeah. The bastard. He even claimed that they'd spoken on the phone the day before, which was not true. What kind of son? He's been doing this a long time. Anyway, cut a long story short, things got very heated. Unusual. Yes, for Mrs J in particular. I can imagine. Then, as it got worse, she suddenly felt unconscious. Daughter knew what to do, did CPR and all that, but to no avail. Mrs. J was dead before the ambulance arrived. That's awful. I know, but it gets worse. Worse? Son starts making a fuss, talking about Mrs. J's will and all of that. Claims she wanted control of her faculties when she made it. Tries to take everything over. He then starts going on about all the animals would have to go to the RSPCA. And that he'll look at the wheel and decide what to do. But surely he can't. He did. I don't know what's transpired on that front. However, what I do know is that nobody knows where Lula and the others have gone. No. Only one cat and one dog escaped. Escaped? Rest were taken away that day.
2: Taken
0: where? No one knows. The cat what escaped was Lula's sister, Selina. I know where she's holed up and I know her anyway, so I'm going to see her tomorrow i tell you I can count on you to come and make tea for the chickens. Of course, Rach. I just wish I could do more. Okay. Keep everything going here while I go and find what's happened to Lula. Done. You know that posh cat what lives on her street? Oh, God. Her?
2: You met her then? Yeah. What's her name? Eleanor. Ah, oh, yes. But everyone calls her Ellie. Doesn't she mind? What? Having a nickname. I don't think so. Why? Well, I've only met her once. But... Yeah. She's very,
0: very posh. Can you trust her? To deliver facts on what she saw? Yes. She might think she's better than all the rest of us, but she doesn't like people causing a ruckus. Not if it affects any animal. Thinks she's in charge of us all, so when something like this happens, she can tell us all to sort it out. That might help us. Yeah. I'll go see Elliot tomorrow morning. Then I'll go find Selena. You do the tea for the chickens.
2: They call for diving or normal? Normal. The diving will have to wait. And I'll do our meeting.
0: I've called for reinforcements. Don't worry. Someone will come to the meeting, you won't be on your own.
2: Good. And Rach? Yeah. It's not just cats of alcoholics and addicts that need help, is it? Maybe not. Maybe humans in general?
0: Some humans, yeah. yeah. I well, I didn't see that coming. I've had some attempted contact from my imaginary friend who's trying to persuade me that I don't need to be here, so I've turned him off and I'm going to have to block him. Now, this last piece is one of the things I wanted to do when we set this up was actually highlight some of the excuses and the lies that addicts and alcoholics come out with. Mm. I I wondered in the stage two context, do you experience any unwillingness with people?
1: Do you know, that's a really hard question for me to answer because as you said it, I'm obviously thinking and I've been working with changes for for quite a long time now. So I've seen a lot of different people come through changes. And my honest answer is that actually most of the people that are going through two one seven don't make a lot of excuses. Yeah. The take up that we have, with bearing in mind what we're doing, with you know we go and do movement sessions, we talk about some pretty, we do value sessions, we know these are yeah. deep stuff, and the level of, up, of uptake is extraordinary considering yeah. where they are in their lives and what they're going through. And I'm talking yeah. about weeks one and two for a lot of these people, where they're literally just mm-hmm. still gone. You know, drugs or, or alcohol is in or just coming out of the system and they get on with it and we have very few excuses so I don't want to uh, go against your section but the honest answer is that actually for the, the majority of it the No, it's,
0: an, it's not a case of going against a section it just interests me
1: Yeah. I <laughs>
0: actually knew that they do take up yeah. what you do Yeah. and clearly what you do is coming from an angle that works Mm. at that particular stage because there are certain other things that might not work in the same way and I do think it's important to have something from outside coming into stage 2 and something that's more universally accessible perhaps Mm. than anything else
1: Uh, something we're very good at doing I've got a bit of smoke at my own um, well you're welcome to (laughs) something we're very good at doing is breaking down the the components of being healthy and happy, and yeah. focusing on the very bottom level, and we, that's yeah. why we get good traction with businesses as well as with changes. Yes. Because the truth of the matter is, is that the, the UK is very extreme. So if I go on the internet and I look at, you know, so a component of being healthy is, is exercise, and so if I go on the internet and I'm in a bad place with my exercise levels and my fitness levels, and I Google, you know, yeah. fitness program or exercise program, what I'm going to find is a lot of stuff that's high up in the in the pyramid. Yeah and this is fitness and performance i'm yeah. going to see pictures of guys with six packs i'm going to see the tour de france people on bikes i'm going to see very yeah. extremes and and that's the nature of the uk because that, you know we we like quick fixes and we like the we like the ultimate kind of extreme level of it. you know nutrition okay but I'm, I'm i'm not in a very good place in my nutrition and then the next level if i go on the internet is going to be from i don't know what i'm doing with nutrition to I'm counting my calories, recording what I'm eating. You know, it's very, they only an extreme, uh, a high level athlete needs to be doing. So, what we do is we say, look, not everybody wants to be super fit. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Not everybody wants to be eating. I don't want to be eating a calorie specific counted in yeah, yeah. I've got no interest in that. Not everybody wants to be a high level goal setter if we look at it more on the personnel side. So, we understand that and we make that clear. And what we do is we say, but everybody wants to be healthy and everybody wants to be happy. And we might say that we don't because we're in a bad place, but we do. There's nobody on this planet that doesn't want to be healthy and doesn't want to be happy, ultimately. So we look at, okay, well, what do we need to do to achieve that? And what's the most basic, simple level of things that we can do to help us move towards that? Which is why the movement stuff that we do with a business or with two one seven is as pertinent and relevant to somebody that might be going through who's 50 with a bad back or 60 with a bad back as it is to somebody that's going through in their 20s and they have extremely high energy levels and want to get super fit. The Mm -hmm. movements we're going to do with them are focused around improving the quality of their movement and their Mm -hmm. their muscle balance so that they can be pain-free but obviously if they want to do that faster and harder because they're young and full of energy and highly Mm -hmm. motivated by exercise and they can do that but what we don't do is go in and say, Right, we're doing a fitness session. We're going to make you sweat loads, and because that's not everybody wants to do that, and it wouldn't work. No, exactly. So that's that's where I think the magic lies with the, the program. That's why I think we get quite a good level of, and when I say quite a good level of traction with, with the with the service users, what I mean is probably ninety nine percent. Because in the year that we've been delivering the program, I can honestly, hand on heart, say I don't know anybody that's been through and not got involved in the sessions.
0: Well, that that's what I'm gathering, yeah. you know, and it's you know part of what I want people listening to hear is, is the fact that this is working. Mm. It's working for people at a very early stage in recovery. And
1: All a human needs to, to be physically healthy, you know, aside from um, disease and, and, yep. and illness, is to uh, be able to move properly to, to, to in the extent that they can. Obviously, some people have got disabilities, so they can't, but if you've got a functioning body, to look after that you need to be able to move properly you need to eat a whole food diet and you need yeah. to sleep enough yeah. it's, it's almost that simple I don't want to oversimplify it but it yeah, is no. and obviously your stress and your mental health plays an impact on your physical body as well Indeed. but it's, that's that's the circle and we can make it overly complicated and go for these complicated training regimes and make it seem very difficult which is why a lot of people won't even get started because it seems unattainable or we can make it simple so that more of us can do it yeah, yeah. and then those that want to excel in different components of it yeah. can, can, can do that but most of us just need to walk more we need mm. to do some gentle movement to make sure that our muscles are going through functional movement patterns we yeah. don't have to do that with weight you know and we um we need to get out of breath a few times a week and that's it
0: really yeah not rocket science is it's it it's not it's not but then it's at the core of what AA did in the first place yeah. what AA and na do today and what other 12 steps and, and various other organizations do it, it's that core of simplicity and it's not a new thing. Marcus Aurelius had that pinned down centuries ago. Yeah. But it is actually keeping it simple.
1: Yeah, when Marcus Aurelius was talking about this stuff, we didn't have overwhelm of information. We had lack of. Whereas yeah. now we've got complete overwhelm. Yeah. So it's the same problem, though, because people don't know how to find the information they need and the structure and the simplicity. So people crave, like you just said, simplicity and a, yeah. a, a pathway, a clear pathway to their desired results.
0: Thanks very much, Mike. It's been illuminating for me because, of course, I went through treatment quite some time ago, mm. a long time before you we, we were involved with, with changes. and we certainly didn't have the same kind of input. I hope it's clear to to anyone listening how much we value this kind of work because it's so important. Recovery is a it's a holistic process. It's 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 about so many things mm. and about the way that the way that I learned to live once. I no longer have alcohol in my system. Yeah. And it's not enough to just live in this bubble of thinking, right, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink. When I had that mentality, I drank. Yeah. So thanks very much for coming in, Mike. We'll have you back again at some point, my I'm plan, sure. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah.